The key to investment specialist real estate is the fact that. So the big question is, what are the top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? If you ever thought about this, you're not alone. No one has been able to get the answers until now. We spent the last few years helping agents sell billions in real estate, rubbing shoulders with top producers, which got us thinking. How can we expose more people to these insights to help raise the standard in the whole real estate industry? We then realized that we could help bridge the gap by getting secrets from the best of the best so that you can succeed. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today, we've got Stephanie Salonik with us. She's been in real estate for 12 years. She's a licensed broker in both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. She has cumulatively sold thousands of deals over the last 12 years and has a team in Pennsylvania of eight people. Is that right? As Correct. Well? Yep. Awesome. So today, we're going to be discussing investments, real estate investing specialist, one of the hot topics, getting off-market deals and treating your clients like your best friend. We cannot wait to jump into this. Stephanie, thanks for agreeing to come on the show with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I feel that if you are blessed by success, that you should share that with others and help bring people up. I feel very blessed by the business I've built and the people I work with, and I'd love to share that with more. That's, that's so amazing. You know, one of the things, it's also nice having somebody who's back from my own roots. We, we Before that, we started rolling with the podcast. I know you, you live in Bucks County. Ironically, the family that I have lives in Bucks County. You used to live in Jersey. You also do some stuff in Naples, which is about an hour and a half drive of where I am in Florida. What are the odds of this? This is the sign. We have to have you on our, on our podcast. <laughs> There's a lot of fun involved in that, but... I'm a believer of I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and I was meant to be here today. So I love it. So to kind of dive into things, we know you're successful now, but take us back to like what started this journey? How did you get into real estate? Give us a little bit of background and context for everybody that's listening before they go, well, I can't do that. Stephanie has been doing this for the last 12 years, but you didn't start out this way, did you? I did not. So actually, my degree is in photography. I have a master's in photography. I ran my own photography business for 10 years before I met my son's father. Uh, he was a realtor, not a not a high producing realtor, but he was a realtor and he, he had the business he wanted. But he he kind of got me to get my real estate license. So my family had rental properties, me and my dad would fix up boarded up houses in a very depressed market in the area called Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and that was before I got my real estate license. So I was tasked with, you know, my photography business was kind of seasonal in the Northeast. So in the winter, I didn't have much to do. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get my real estate license. No problem. And I did both for like two years. I ran my photography business and did real estate on the side, but being a mom, didn't work so well to do both, be gone all weekend, do showings all day, all night. So I, I made that huge decision to take the leap full time into real estate. And I will say when my son was born and he's 10 years old now, I had like $500 in my bank account. Wow. So wow. this is self-made. I didn't have a mom that handed me business. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. It was, I, 
saw a need. I found a way to do it. Just like uh, a big thing in my market is I'm kind of one of the people, if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see videos on the topic about buying at sheriff sales and foreclosure auction. So I I said, that's where the deals are. I got to go find them. And I found a guru. I... I learned the whole process, front end, back end. I can do my own research. Now I don't have the time to do it, but if I had to, I could walk into the courthouse and get all of the information that I would need on a deal uh, in order to bid on it. So it's always been about finding the need for the client. And my early days in real estate, because I lived in a three unit, you know, I was house hacking. I lived in the house. I had two tenants out back in a carriage house that paid my rent. My family's had rent. My family had rental properties, so it was kind of inevitable that I was going to take this path into real estate investing. And I don't think it hurts with my background in photography and marketing. I did work for a, a business-to-business marketing firm right out of photography school. So now this is this is going to be random, maybe a little bit off topic. But what kind of photography did you used to do? Portraits, families, and weddings, and a little nice. bit of commercial work. That's ironically, I started out doing real estate photography before I got actually got into real estate and real estate marketing and everything else. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? I think photography. I was like, oh, Pete, I know exactly where Pete is going. So this is this is kind of a, a. I love this start, by the way, because it's kind of we have this thing that we say, which is FYE, which stands for fuck your excuses, which is all the people out there who are like they got hand out they got all this help and we come across this so commonly in a in a positive way where it's like people like you who genuinely had nothing but just the grit and determination to pursue this and like failure wasn't an option and then all of a sudden quotation marks being held up here all of a sudden you found success it's like no it's like there is success out there for the people that are willing to do the fucking work right and it's like you had no choice you're like i'm going all in i'm doing the work and that's going to be the outcome that, you know, the, the outcome is I'm going to be successful there because I've got a family to feed, I've got to put food on the table, roof over our head, and you, you figured it out. So I want to talk about the first couple of years. Like you said, you had $500 in your bank account, so I'm sure things were a little bit tense, let's say. <laughs> um, how did those first years go, couple of years, um, you know, whether it was selling to the investors or you know, homes of flipping them, rentals, like, did you find success, like a lot of success right away? Or was it very, you know, linear as in it was slower growth over years and years to now where you're at, which is you've got a bigger team and you're doing multiple areas and you've got, I'm sure, a lot of connections at this point where things were a little bit more stable, let's say. Correct. So yeah, it's definitely running itself and I'm enjoying the fruits of my early labor. But Uh, When I first got my license, I practiced for about six months. I closed three deals before my son was born. And then I put my license in escrow for a couple months because I I really wasn't... Honestly, I didn't want to pay the fees for renewal at the end of the year without knowing I had another deal in my back pocket. So when when it was the beginning of the season, which is like April, May, I decided I would interview at a few other places and see if there was a better opportunity out there. And I I did join a a pretty big... um, company that is masterminded by a, uh, a huge investor in our marketplace. So I joined his company because he told me all the wonderful things that they were doing. And I was like, I'm not ready to drink the Kool-Aid, but I'll take a sip. 
and it was probably the best decision I ever made. Uh, he he was a motivating force, definitely, and very charismatic, younger than me, you know, built a billion dollar company and has footprint everywhere. So I, I got to meet a few connections through him just working for him, which was great. But then I, I kind of saw in the marketplace, I mean, I'm going to take it back a step, even with my photography business, like I embraced social media so early. I had MySpace before Facebook. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> on MySpace. So I think a lot of people in the business kind of ignored it because mostly it's an older crowd in real estate. Anybody that's successful, I mean, most of them are 50 plus. Yeah. I mean, all of that, the digital era, the paperless system, I mean, they resisted. They hated it. But here, here's me coming in, new mom, and I'm on social media talking about real estate and investing and you know, I can help you do it too. And a lot of my network of people on top of clients I was being given by the company I was working at were all like, yes, yes, real estate investing. I mean, this is when they started all the reality TV flipping shows at the same time. I mean, it was it was a great place to be. And I kind of stepped forward because I had this experience with my family in renovating homes. I had this experience with rentals and turning rentals with my grandfather. And I was just so excited about the opportunities that it was kind of like a magnet. People that wanted it came and sought me out. People at the company, if they had an investor, they were making introductions because a lot of uh, real estate agents aren't comfortable working with investors that they don't know how to analyze the deal. They don't know. You know, the biggest thing for me has always been I have had a vested interest in my client's success that if you're going to flip a house, I'm going to tell you up front, this is what I'm going to get for it. And doing the math backwards with what profit you want on this, this is the most that we should offer for it. And we can offer on 50 houses if you want until we get one the right way, because every project is made or lost in acquisition price. So, Stephanie, this I've, I've recently been working with an investor, an amazing guy. The, the approach for this property is a little bit different because this is going to be his home base as he's moving his portfolio from Pennsylvania to Florida. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you said that a lot of realtors are afraid of working with an investor because do you think it's just because they don't know what they're looking for or what that looks like, or they're not educated on like the renovation budget and what things cost? Or what what do you think is like the underlining issue? Because for me, I'm not shy. I look at it as a deal, right? I may not know how much to, how much the flooring is. But I can pull out, you know, one of my contractors and one of my GCs and very quickly find out and have a rough idea. Mm-hmm. Or I can also lean on the investor to have a rough idea because this is probably not his first rodeo, right? Mm-hmm. So why, why do you think people are shying away from investors or why do you think they're scared to take them on? Because I just look at it as another deal. I think the biggest part of it is education. Most agents don't do it for themselves. But like you, if you do it for yourself and you do it well, you don't usually do it for clients. Like there's that disconnect that if I'm an amazing investor, I'm not going to sell those properties that generate a deal to my clients. I'm going to do it myself. And I got to the point where I can't do everything. So of course, I'll sell projects to my clients because I only want... Like I have my hand in a few different things. So I flip houses. I work with agents. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but right now I'm building like a turnkey short-term rental business down in Florida where I'm going to be putting together packages and reselling as Airbnbs to investors from the North. 
So it's, it's where you see the demand. Where is the product that everybody wants that nobody can get? So, so essentially, to put it a little bit simpler, is the agents that are good, some of them have a scarcity mindset or quote-unquote greed, where they're like, oh, I'm not going to give this to my investor. I'm just going to take this for myself. But I'm coming in from a different perspective saying, I don't have the bandwidth and the capacity to manage two, three, four, five, six projects at a time, nor right now under the present circumstance, I don't have the capital to also do it either. So the way I'm looking at this is down the line, the long-term game, right? Really what you're saying is a lot of agents play the short-term game, whether they're educated or not, because they're thinking about today, but what they're not taking into consideration is 5, 10, 15 years down the road, when they're ready to liquidate some of their assets, maybe their investors will pick it up from them and they can do what you're doing, which is taking a lot of deals off the market directly to the people. Because when we were chatting before, um, it seems like you have thousands of transactions on the books, but you also have thousands of transactions off the books as well, right? Correct. Correct. So a lot of times I get the question, I mean, I'll use an example that there's a four unit that I have for sale for a client that I brokered the deal off market between one of my investors to another one of my investors. So I get clients that call me and they're like, well, why is he selling? Why does it, well, that was always the goal. He was buy it, he bought this project to turn around and resell it. Like that's a key. Yeah, you make your money and then you move on, right? Correct. And then, you know, they public records are awesome these days. It didn't used to always be this way, but now you can find out, you know, somebody bought it last week for X amount of dollars just by clicking a few keys. Years ago, when I started doing this, people didn't have that knowledge. So now we have to combat the well, they bought it for X. Why do they want X for it now? Well, it doesn't matter what they bought it for. It's what is the market value on the property? And then people will say, well, how does, how does this person get these deals? And I can't. How do you overcome that? Because to be honest with you, it's funny you mentioned this because on the last few deals, I've been working with buyers, like the retail side. We're not investors, just buyers. And they come to me and say, well, this person bought it for this much six months ago. Why do they want 150K more for it? I'm like, well, six months ago, the property was worth less. It was a different market. Second of all, because they probably put 20 or 30 grand into renovations. Third of all, you didn't want to do any of that. You're paying for convenience. That's, that's a big part of it. The other part of it is the clients that are getting those incredible deals or clients I've been working with for years. They will buy sight unseen. They will buy off my word that I've been in the property. I've evaluated the deal. You can buy it at this. We can resell it at this. If you want to renovate it at this, if you want to rent it at this. And then it's your choice which avenue they go. So my, my answer to that question always is, I'm good at what I do. That's why he got that price. It doesn't mean say. that what we're offering it for today isn't market value. I was going to say, this is really you know a big fundamental part of your first topic, which is you are an investment real estate specialist at this point. I'm sure you basically have been since, you know, after your first few years of doing this solid that you, you know, you class yourself as a bit of a specialist. So how did, I want you to unpack that topic, what you mean by it for, you know, and go from there. But it's, I'm curious about that, that 
niching down because we see this a lot with very successful individuals what we tend to see is the people who aren't very successful are like i'll do anything for anyone and the ones are hyper successful like no i do this one thing for this one specific group of individuals because the market is fucking huge (laughs) I, i don't have enough time in the day to, to service just this tiny subsector of another subsector of real estate. You know, it's like a, a subcategory of a subcategory, sometimes of a subcategory. Real estate is just, I, I know everyone's listening, you think you know how big real estate is, but like f- for context, there's over 2 million active realtors in the US. Some people will or won't know that. Like it's like one of the largest industries. It is mental. And you think there's that many people out there and there isn't like these tiny little sub niches. I always, this is a, I want to, I want to let you dive in, but I'll just (laughs) further um, kind of put this point home with, I actually have a a mentor of mine and it's in a different spaces in business. And uh, this isn't even a joke. He services just people who do underground dog fences. And I was like, what the fuck is an underground dog fence? (laughs) I was just about to ask the same question. Yeah. It's a lot under uh, the ground that keeps your dog in the yard without an ugly fence. You, literally is that. So it's like this a little electrical wire that awesome, it goes around. They have a collar on. And basically, as they get close to this invisible fence, it basically buzzes. So they don't cross this. Inv- anyway, my point of the story is I'd never even heard of this product. I assume I was like, there's going to be about 10 people who want this in the whole world. He's got a seven-figure company just... Mm-hmm servicing people who sell underground dog fences that I guarantee 95% of our listeners have never heard of either. And it's like, you need to niche. So with that being said, investment real estate specialist, unpack what you mean by that and a little bit more about what's kind of goes into being a specialist in the space. So any realtor can pull comps and tell you what a property is worth today. The key to investment specialist real estate is the fact that you can look at the overall scope of the market and the trends in the market, and you can see the next up and coming area. You can see where the potential is and that you can evaluate the deal. I will tell you that my clients have a 100% track record for making money on their projects. Nobody has lost money on their project. Our analysis has always been on point. We are very conservative with our analysis. So if if the market's telling me this could sell at 350, but I know I have solid comps that are going to support 325 and I'm seeing redevelopment in the area and I know that there's special incentives. I mean, opportunity zones, I don't know if you've ever talked about those. That was something that Trump put in legislation in the United States. Something so amazing and awesome. I spent a year just pushing opportunity zone properties because they are tax deferred for 10 years. If what is it? I'll tell anyone listening because like, I, I don't know what they are. So I'm <laughs> what, is, what is an opportunity well, zone? You guys should Google opportunity zones because where I'm in at in Pennsylvania, uh, Lehigh Valley has tons of pockets. It was a huge incentive during Trump's administration to get private money investors to reinvest in depressed downtown areas. So in Lehigh Valley, there are three areas, Allentown, East and Bethlehem. And it goes right to the river. And then, you know, we're an hour drive to New York City. So it's a very hot area that money from New York City comes down and invests into Pennsylvania because taxes are lower. But also, if you redevelop a property and you increase the median value by 60%, it is tax-free if you hold onto it for 10 years. And there is a sliding scale. 
Uh, but the properties have to qualify by geographic area. We happen to have a lot of those great geographic areas in our area, but they're all over the country. So if you look at the map, you'll see these like red pockets everywhere and it's great places to invest for tax savings. So I spent like a whole year, like this is a great property. This is an opportunity zone, like redevelop it. I have a client that is turning a church in an opportunity zone into a 35 unit apartment building that's supposed to be done by the end of the year. Whoa. This is huge. Literally, I'm in. I'm like, holy shit, my so, mind is going so, a million miles an hour now. <laughs> our marketplace, there, there's this casino. It's called Sands Casino. It was like the first one in Pennsylvania. It's awesome. It was the old Bethlehem steel mill that they redeveloped this property into. Well, the casino, very popular, very lucrative, got put in one of these opportunity zones because it was an old steel mill compound. It's a cool place if you ever look it up. So an Indian reservation bought it. Now it's called Wind Creek and they're putting in an indoor water park. They're doubling the size of the hotel because all of this redevelopment appreciation is tax free for 10 years for them. And uh, I mean, tax free on the appreciation and the profit that they make on this redevelopment. That's enormous. Wow. It's things like that, that if you can have a conversation with somebody that has cash in their pocket, has the desire to redevelop, and you can throw opportunities like this at them, they're, you know, they're like, take my money, take my money. Okay, so so taking it a little bit in a way, step back and forward, mm-hmm. deeper, for somebody who is working with an investor, how do you, what, what does your process look like for evaluating a company? Because you're, because you're bang on. Anybody can pull comps. I can go into my MLS, click on my IMAP. It shows me the last three that are of similar nature with certain parameters, tells me what they sold for. Now, I have I have a rough idea, but I haven't been in the industry for long enough to have the experience and the knowledge, obviously, that you do, to know where the market's heading, what that trend line looks like. So how do you determine that? What do you use to your advantage other than the years and years of experience Something tangible, something actionable that we can be looking at or paying attention to from anybody who's listening. So I I got this question from a client that I've sold things to in the past and we've kind of separated a little bit and we're going to be re-meeting on Monday because I'll, I'll give you a great example. At the beginning of COVID, like when the world shut down, my partner and I were like, now's the time. Like, let's buy property. Just like right now, the stock market's down. I'd be like, throw some money in the stock market. When things go down, when things happen, that's your time to buy in. So this particular property, we bought it at online auction for $78,000. And between me and my partner, like we have 40 different investors that we deal with on a pretty daily basis. And we put it in front of all of them. Like we walked through it. We gave them our evaluation, all of it. And I have always said, if this is money, if this is a project that I'm willing to put my own money down on and I'm selling it to you guys, like it's a slam dunk, say yes. But it was the week COVID shut down that we were shopping this. Like we weren't even supposed to be out in the house doing the tour, but that's what we do. So we were out there (laughs) Um, and every single investor turned it down. And this one particular investor, he said to me, our our projection was 235 resale on this house. We were buying it at 78, resell it for 235. Wow. Wow. $50,000 renovation in it. That's still an amazing margin. Exactly. It's like 50%. (laughs) Double your money. Yes. So we shopped it and nobody would buy. Everybody thought it was the end of the world. And this one particular investor, and he goes, I don't see 235, like 165 best case scenario. And and we were like, 
are you kidding? But his question this week, because he came back to us and he was like, hey, I really want to work with you guys. I want deals. And I said, remember when you said 165? And I'm like, no, 235. We actually sold that property for 242 a year ago. And the people that bought it relisted it this week and got 310 for it. No way. Yes. And that was exactly his question. He's like, the cost at the time supported 165 that I could see. I said, well, you as the general public, like you're not seeing everything that we're seeing. We're seeing other properties that are getting listed and how they're pushing. We're seeing that this particular area appreciated 15% in the last six months. So why would that trend not continue? Now, I get COVID was a completely different time in the marketplace for everybody, but there's always an exit strategy. So even if we couldn't sell it at a profit, we would have rented it for a year and then we would have sold it at a profit a year later as that appreciation kept going. Crazy. You bought it in two years. It was a 4X flip on the price you paid from nearly 4X, so basically 80 grand. So 4X would be 340, so a little bit less. But that is insane. And I'm going to say, like sourcing that deal, that was an online auction, sight unseen. You weren't allowed to go inside. It was vacant. I mean, I could show you the pictures before and after and you would be blown away. But it's more of the idea, like you have to be able to see, you have to have the vision for it. And that's at the beginning of this podcast, I said, I found myself always competing with the same person for properties, the same other agent on the other end, like we were in the same space. We were going to the same share of sales. We were bidding on the same properties. Like we were doing deals together as well because he worked with investors too. And I said, you know what? I got to stop like comp- I, my partner's awesome. I got to stop competing with him. I got to join him. So we formed United Realty Partners to work together and it is like taken off. So my biggest words of advice are find that person that you admire, find that person that's doing what you want to do and work with them, not against them. Because that has definitely helped my business flourish. I think yeah. one of the things I think about with real estate and people like yourself who, um, who've been in it, you know, longer in the tooth. You've been in it for a long, a longer time now. So you've just you've got experience. And there is certain markets. Let me just caveat what I'm about to say. Right, there's all this crypto NFT crap going on. I have no idea about it. And like technically, you'd assume the youth would be better at dealing with that because they probably have a grab. Because I, I don't even know what's going on, but I'm going to stick with what I know. One of the things I know is real estate, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with an old fashioned market that I know makes money. And I'm like, okay, some people, like, I'm not sure if anyone's list- watched this, but this guy saw the picture of like a monkey and it went for like $69 million. And I just, and I'm like, a part of me is like, can I draw a picture of a monkey and sell it for 69 million? Cause then I could buy real estate. <laughs> but my, my point was the, the old saying, which is youth and exuberance is no match for old age and treachery. <laughs> and I always think with real estate and I think investing like yourself, it's like, you've now just got such an eye, you know where to look and you've just got an eye for it where now you can kind of just be like, that's the one. Yeah. I'm going to blow your mind with this because I know that we've been talking about actual tangible real estate. But have you guys looked into the trend that is starting where people are buying the digital real estate, basically? Yes. The metaverse. The metaverse. I was was literally just talking with one of my friends about this last night. And he goes, you be an idiot if you absolutely ignore it. 
because what's happening, like you and I may not want to live in this digital universe or whatever, but this is the next wave of technology. So anybody listening to this, I'm not Gary V. I'm not making any predictions, nope. but we'd be idiots to ignore it. And Stephanie, thank you for bringing this up because you probably know way more about this than I do, but it is mental what's happening and the money that's being exchanged. I'm still fairly convinced that a lot of it is to launder money legally <laughs> and other things. Yeah. However, this is becoming so easy. The reason why we got on this topic was because we were talking about the inefficiencies of even buying something as simple as a car. Like it takes you like a week or two weeks between going to the DMV, getting the registrations, paying the taxes, paying the fees, switching titles with this digital universe and crypto and the technology you literally, you click it, you send the contract from the contract, you get all the information and you could do some really, really creative stuff with tokenization when it comes to real estate on the buy to lease purchase side and stuff like that. And I'm assuming that's kind of where you're going with this too. Well, I mean, my biggest point of this, I'm not going to dive deep into it because it, as I said, I see a need, I see interest, I educate myself on it and I want to be that person that has the information before somebody else. But if you see these trends happening, if you like, you have to dive into it. You can't just ignore it. Like I was saying about, you know, the people that didn't embrace social media. Yeah. Crazy. If, if you my social media, you're going to see, I sell my lifestyle and my lifestyle is the lifestyle of a real estate investor and having freedom of time and freedom of life. And I want my clients to have that life as well. So that's, you know, I have this core base of clients, but then I have people that come, they, they watch my YouTube channel and talking about share sales and I get calls probably two or three a week. And like the one video that gets so many views, I shot that like three years ago when I had a broken leg and I couldn't go into the office. <laughs> so I was putting out content, but it just hits from all areas. So you have to be where the people are. You have to be where people are looking for information and you have to have the information that people want. You know, like the how-to YouTube videos, yeah, most yeah. of them are labeled how-to, how to invest in real estate, how to buy a sheriff sale post-COVID because we haven't had in-person auctions. I mean, they just started a couple of months ago again. So some of the places moved to online in our market. And I know other places in the country have always been online, but it's it's definitely new. And I tried to convince the sheriff in our local market, like, hey, let's, let's keep this online. So I don't have to show up in person anymore. I could buy from Florida when I'm down there. And there's, you know, the 60 year old guys in the room all grumbling like, no, no, like, because they don't want to go into the general public. Good times, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Now, before you go, we're giving access to a private training we did where we revealed the top three niches to get listings today completely for free. So if you want access, you can go and download that training at EliteAgentSecrets.com. We're regularly releasing new trainings, guides, and cheat sheets. So make sure to head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com and sign up so you don't miss out.